0: hey welcome back to black hair care no chaser so this episode i want to talk a little bit about the business of black hair care um on the internet i see some really interesting things sometimes or often there's a meme talking about how hairstylists want you to come in with your hair pretty much done Nobody wants to shampoo. Nobody wants to blow dry anymore. Nobody wants to do this and do that. Oh, it's so terrible. They want us to come in with our hair detangled and this, this and that, right? Um, And then on the industry side, um, it's... um, it's some issues going on in our in our industry. You know, we have a lot of people coming into the industry and they're using it as a hobby. We have people coming in that are not licensed. Um, we have people coming in that are undercutting other people. And unfortunately, we have a lot of hopeful stylists and barbers coming in and then not being able to make a living and dropping back out. And so... I haven't heard anybody really connecting all the dots or talking about it or, you know, giving out some of the solutions. Um, You know, we do see a lot of Internet famous hairstylists who have Instagram pages that are popular or have uh, YouTubes that are popular. But nobody's really talking about maybe some of the financial motivation behind those and what all has to be done to make it. So I'm going to give a little insight and just run some very simplistic numbers by you. Okay. So just to give you a little window into a uh, professional stylist world, I can't really talk about the barbers, although I think their numbers are somewhat close to ours, except for their services break down differently than ours, but let's go with it. So... On average, uh, you're paying booth rent in your salon. So your booth rent is about $600, that's 150 per week. Your house, uh, either you're paying rent or a mortgage on average, depending on what city you're in, that's $1,100. You have a light bill. I just average it out to 100. You have a gas bill, 100, a water bill, 100, internet, 100, cell phone, 100. Tried to make these numbers real simple because I know everybody's situation is a little bit different. Anyway, you have a car and it's payment, let's say 300. You have car insurance, let's say it's 100. You have gas for your car and you're spending about $60 a week to fill it up. That's about $240 for the month. And then let's eat. So you have food and that's 300. Now, mind you, I didn't talk about health insurance, I didn't talk about hair products. I didn't talk about maintenance on the car, clothing, entertainment. I didn't talk about your kids, anything extra. I talked about the bare minimum. That is a total of $3,240 that most hairstylists are looking at spending just to keep their overhead going. So they have to make no less than an average of $3,240 in a 30-day period, okay? Um, With that being said, the average price for a hairstyle, now, of course, this varies a lot because we could be talking about quick weave. We could be talking about natural style. We could be talking about a silk press or a 27-piece or, you know, there's so many different things. A lock, retwist, I understand. That is going to vary a lot. But let's say the average price of a style is about $55. You would have to get 59 heads in 20 days if you're working five days a week. So if you keep a a five-day-a-week work schedule, like the average person who works a corporate job, you would have to get 59 heads done in those 20 days. Because remember, it's about four weeks in a month. And if you're not working um, the the week, if you're not working two of those days, you got two days to rest, then you have five days for four weeks. So that's 20 days, Right. So 59 heads in 20 days. So on average, you need to finish three heads a day. Any day that you're working, you need to finish on average three heads a day. And that's with the understanding that those styles are only taking two hours. So if you do that, then your average workday is a six-hour day. But come on, y'all, let's be real. How often does a style, all those different styles that I talked about, How often does it really stay within two hours? Many times you have clients that come in and their hair is still in the previous style and they expect you to take it down for free. Or you have clients that come in and the style they want is unrealistic for the head of hair that they have, and that may take longer. Then sometimes you do have those styles, those clients that come in and they're realistic and you can get them in and out in an hour and a half. That's usually like a silk press or something to that extent. Don't talk about the people who are in the industry of working with kids like I am. It is hard as heck to get a kid appointment to stick to a window of time. But average, I'm about two hours, too. Can you imagine the hustle you have to have to get enough heads in your chair consistently every week to meet that 3,240 overhead? So what i've concluded is a lot of people who are looking into the industry who are customers are complaining without considering what all it takes to run a legit business this 3000 doesn't include the marketing it doesn't include the websites that you guys want us to have it doesn't include the credit card fees the bank fees it doesn't include any of those other things that is expected of a business owner in this day and age Um, It doesn't include internet in the shop. It doesn't include snacks for free, water for free, any of that. This is just the bare minimum to keep a roof over where you would like to run your business and to keep a roof over where you would like to lay your head at night. And the issue is unfortunately, cosmetology, especially in the black community, the prices for our services has not progressed with the cost of living. It has been around $55 forever in a day since your grandma was getting roller sets, dang near. $55 was on average what it cost, you know? So yeah, $55 then was a little bit high, like you had a little bit more room to wiggle. But then when the price of living increased, that $55 became a strain. So what stylists are doing now is becoming creative in ways of seeing more income versus their overhead. So yeah, they're asking you to come with your hair already clean and blow dried and detangled. The other thing is most people are not coming to the salon for healthy hair anymore. They're coming to the salon for trending styles. So they're coming to the salon because such and such on real housewives of the Mars or Venus or wherever they are right now had in this type of weave and I wanted to. But my budget is on a shoestring. So I bought the weave from down the street at Kim's Beauty Supply, which has nowhere near the same quality as my uh idol on this housewife show. So you're coming in with the incorrect. Um, expectations, you're coming in with the incorrect tools to accomplish those, and you're coming in uh, with, unfortunately, a head of hair that's not healthy. You're asking for a magician at a fast food worker's price. And that's no shade to fast food workers, because I think it's despicable what we're still paying them. But we have to be more realistic as a community um, in order to see our community thrive. And cosmetologists and barbers are integral part of our community. These are our safe places. These are the places that before there was a lot of internet, before there was all these other Avenues We went to have our safe conversations. We went for free therapy. We still do that. We talk to our barbers and stylists about our relationships, about all kinds of things that really we probably should be going to a therapist for. But again, we have that income gap between the wealthy and the white. And so we don't always have it to be able to afford to go to therapy. So no shade there either. But we also have to protect what has been working for us for the longest. So if our salons are going to be these multi-purpose places where we're able to come and feel safe and talk about all the things that we need to, where we're able to come and find out what needs to happen in our community or what is happening in our community, where we're able to network, where we're able to have our kids fundraisers, where our kids get their first job sweeping the floors, then we have to be mindful of why Our community members as barbers and stylists are now asking us to do a little bit more or they're asking us to pay more. Um, In a lot of cities and states, you know, the requirement for your license is twenty one hundred hours. I was lucky. I went and got my license in Missouri. So mine was fifteen hundred. But I am up to my neck in student loan um, or in debt behind getting my license, behind becoming a professional. And I don't regret it at all, But going forward, I have to be mindful of that and build my business in a way that will be able to pay those debts off and also keep a roof over my head and be able to thrive as a business owner because I want to see my business scale. I don't want to stand behind the chair for the next 30 years and then end up with nothing to leave my child. And I'm pretty sure that most barbers and stylists have similar aspirations. So that's why you see so many of them become an Instagram famous, because that's another avenue for income it's not that they're shallow it's not that they just want the attention they literally need that in our industry to be able to have a little extra money because remember my numbers didn't include health insurance and remember we're not working a corporate job where they're taking it out of our check my numbers didn't include tax that we're going to have to pay after we get done servicing you and giving you that beautiful hairstyle So when we get on Instagram and we're trying to go viral and you're ignoring our posts and not sharing them, we're also trying to catch that attention of that next hair care product that's going to sponsor us for a while. So maybe that's a couple hundred dollar check or maybe it's a couple thousand dollar check or maybe it's sponsored and free product. We are also trying to get more clients in our chair to meet that 59 heads at least that we need to make our base income. And you know, it's a numbers game when you're marketing. You can market to 60 people and you will only see maybe 10 of those actually come in your chair that first time. Now you have to work on retaining them. So there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes that I think the average client and customer in the outside community doesn't realize. You know, when we have these um, Facebook pages, not our profiles, the ones who are actually trying to be legit business owners, when we have our Facebook pages, Yes, it's free to have it there, but Facebook is trying to make their money too. So if we don't put in the investment of paying for ads, paying for um, boosted posts, a lot of times people won't see it, especially when our following consists of a good portion of our friends and our community members who are tired of hearing about our little businesses. They don't wanna share the post cause it's not popular enough all the little ignorant stuff that we hear back. So we spend the money to boost it, to sponsor it, so that it gets in front of other people and hoping that those people's butts get in our chairs. It's a um, tiring and enduring process, but most of the time us professionals who are out here enduring it is because we love it. We are passionate about our industry. We are passionate about our clients that we serve. We are passionate about our communities. We are passionate about being entrepreneurs and having some financial freedom. And even though we may not have it at the moment, I mean, hell, I went to school for my cosmetology license while I was pregnant with my son. In a couple of months, my son will be 12. So I've been working at it and chipping away at it for the past 12 years. And I'm still not financially free by far. but what has kept me in this industry is the fact that I love it. So when you're downplaying as a customer, when you're downplaying the industry as a whole, and why she want me come in with my hair uh, blow dried out, ain't that her job? Understand that she loves you. and all your complaints, she loves you. She loves your hair. She or he, not to be sexist. Um, she loves this industry. Because if she didn't, she wouldn't still be standing in that shop waiting on you to come in with your hair not detangled. Halfway clean. I mean, you guys gotta think about it. You know, y'all quick to go buy this Cantu or this heavily market pink oil lotion and not understanding that when we're asking you to buy a little bit higher end product, it's so that we can keep your hair healthy. And that when you come in, your styling um, process is a lot easier because it's starting on a healthy head of hair, or we're not having to tried to remove the last five weeks since we saw you of buildup of Cantu because it was only $5 a jar at your Dollar General. Um, and again, I don't say this. I know I'm you know using different tones or whatever. I don't say this as to throw shade because I am well aware of our income gap and I'm well aware that a lot of our Black households do not really have the disposable income to afford having a stylist. But with that same understanding, I need the Black community to come back to our businesses with the understanding that we are in the boat with you until we're not. And it's a long ass road until we're not. Um, So even if you don't have the extra money to be in your stylish chair every other week like they would like to, it's not costing you anything to share her post. It's actually saving her a little bit of money. Um, And that way, she may be able to offer you a free deep conditioner one day. You know, you, you got to be mindful. You really, really got to be mindful of, of both sides. So with that being said, I want to talk to my fellow stylists a little bit or my up and coming stylists. Um, I just want to share a few tips that have kept me afloat and hopefully in the long run will lead me to financial freedom. Um, so one of the things I had to do early on was work on changing my mindset and work on my social circle. And the reason I say that is because we tend to socialize with people who are in the same <clears throat> um, same lifestyle, same situation, same financial bracket as us. And unfortunately that doesn't lead us to new lessons, right? But when I got ready to start that, I in no way fit in with the wealthy or the financially stable. I'm having all the classic problems of poverty. I don't have any daycare. My schedule is all over the place. I'm trying to juggle a job in my business. You know, I'm not dressed in the way that they're dressed. My car looks like a bucket and their cars are nice. So it was really uncomfortable to try to cross over and have more conversations with people who were making more and retaining more than I was. So what I, what I started doing was using the resources around me. And at this time, um, let's see, when I was in school for cosmetology, I think flip phones at that time was the latest technology. There was no rampant internet. There was no computer in your pocket. Um, you could take pictures, but that's about it, you know, and you couldn't send those very well. I remember my first smartphone was three years later or maybe three and a half. And I was back in school to get my instructor's license. Cause I remember one of my students trying to explain to me what an app was. So, <laughs> All that to say, now we are miles ahead of where I started when I wanted to change my mentality. So one of your best resources is that phone that's constantly in your pocket or in your hand. It is literally the gateway to the world of knowledge. So all those wealthy people that you are not comfortable being in their presence yet, or you don't match their lifestyle yet, there's plenty of them that are giving away free tips There's plenty of them that talk about their mindset or what they do to keep their wealth or grow their wealth on just YouTube. So instead of YouTube in the next housewife, um, because unfortunately she didn't have to do a lot of this to get. Well, I guess fortunately for her, not unfortunately, but unfortunately for us that are trying to learn how to get money. She didn't have to do that. Um, She sold a lot of drama and she sold a lot of her personal business. She's basically an actress. Um, and that's not necessarily long term financial wealth. So be understand that who you're looking at on TV is not necessarily who you want to follow um, to pad your pockets. Anyway, so you, if you want to start learning how to invest or what investors are doing, then you listen to investors. So I started listening to Robert Kiyosaki. I don't have the money that Robert Kiyosaki has. I don't have the money his wife has, because I read her book too. But what I could do, there's no difference between his mind and my mind, except for the experiences that we have had, the books that he has read, um, and the knowledge that he has. And that's a simple fix. If I keep listening to him and trying to mimic some of his uh, ways of thinking, his habits, Um, some of his experiences that I can bring into my life at this point, then I too will have some of the same knowledge that he has. Hell, some of that stuff I don't even have to mimic or replay because he already did it. All I have to do is learn the lesson. And one of his greatest lessons that stuck with me the longest was his quadrant. He talks about being an employee, being self-employed, being a business owner and being an investor. And he draws it on a little quadrant And he talks about how you move through those spaces and why you want to move through those spaces. And although I'm still at a um, self-employed quadrant, basically, um, I'm not quite a business owner because I don't have um, employees. I'm almost there because I I do have a partnership with another stylist who's running the after-school program in Iowa. Um, But although I'm not all the way to I where I wanna be, I can still keep that in the forefront of my mind and in my everyday decisions. So some of the things that I do to stay on that path is, I don't look for the standing behind the chair to be my main income. Because at the end of the day, that's not sustainable. And in order to get over to the I quadrant, you have to have systems in place that are making money, whether you're doing something or not. So you could be sleeping, you could be vacationing. You could be planning a trip to Mars to go walk on it. And when you get there, back here on Earth, your money's still coming in. That's not where I'm at yet. It's not. Um, there's not enough money coming in that way to cover my bills. That 3000 whatever I was talking about before. But what I can do now is balance my life. So balance my investments my, my time investment into systems, building systems that will eventually sustain me in that I quadrant when I get there. So I don't spend all my time standing behind that chair because again, that's not sustainable. When that client gets up, I love her to death. She loves her hairstyle or whatever. But in order for me to make that same amount of money again, we have to go through that whole process again. And eventually my feet are gonna be tired, my hands are gonna be tired and I will have to stop. And then that means that income has to stop. So I spend part of the day in a salon or I spend part of the week in the salon and then I'm adamant about my time that's outside of the salon being my time. So then that's when I do stuff like this podcast. That's when I do stuff like build my um, presence online. That's when I sit down and schedule all my posts or I work on my books. So yeah, I've, i published a couple of books. It's the same book over and over again. It's just different versions of the same book. So basically I'm using my own life as an experiment. Okay, the first one did this, the first one, you know I had this outcome, I worked with a illustrator It worked, it didn't work, whatever. So then the next version, well, I listen to feedback, what people say they would like, what people would say they wouldn't like. And then I add to it. So one of the other ways you can have residual income is having an ebook. Well, right now my ebook, excuse me, that's out there, it's good. It's also out there and offered for a very low price because I'm not trying to win the race in 20 seconds, I'm looking at that long term, getting to that I quadrant. So, right now, anybody that hears me talk on this podcast could go to my website and buy my ebook for $5 and get great tips and hints on how to take care of natural hair. Well, that $5 that they spent also. It gives gives them a little bit more insight of what Tutus and Tennis Shoes offers, what Kenesha Tillman is all about. And now they're telling somebody else. And eventually Tutus and Tennis Shoes are Kenesha Tillman and Kenesha Tillman becomes a household name in different communities a little bit at a time. So, yeah, my book is out there and it's only five dollars. But if I'm looking at the long run, that's that's like I don't know. It's like a seed to a tree. You know, when you eat a lemon, that seed is not even half an inch, but when you plant it and you give it a couple of years, you got this beautiful manifestation that's ready to feed you forever and ever. Same thing. So as as, as stylists, we have to get out of the mindset that we have to get rich off of every head. We have to balance what we're doing. So yes, we want, at this point, we are asking our clients to come in shampooed and detangled, or pay another fee so that I can do it for you because you're paying for my time and my expertise so that I can stay afloat. But I can't hit them over the head also knowing that that, that's not feasible for them. So on the back end, I need to be planting all my seeds to get me over to the um, I quadrant, okay? So another way that you can plant seeds or build systems is go ahead and build your website. My website was built by a class of college students at Drake University in Iowa. They were taking a public relations and marketing class. And so my initial, the skeletons of my website was built by one of the groups in there and I didn't have to pay for it. I couldn't afford to pay for it. I couldn't afford to go hire an agency to go do it because again, I'm working within those numbers I gave you at the beginning of this podcast. But what was a great resource in Des Moines is that Drake students have to do these class projects and they will reach out to small businesses and do it for them. From there, because I specifically asked them to make it dummy proof for me so that I could manage it, I've been able to update it and manage it and you know, keep some sales going from there. The reason I bring all that up is because if you look at a lot of other businesses, they have these sales funnels. So you see something on Facebook, you click on it, it takes you to the website. It basically pushes you through the buying process. And you may only spend $3 when you whatever you buy, get free shipping or whatever. Or maybe you got those leggings for super cheap. It was free shipping, but they put you in a subscription. All these different marketing avenues. But one of the tools that they use to be able to execute those is having a website. Um, Another one is go ahead and build your Facebook page, not a Facebook profile. You need a page because that page can be marketed. It can be shared to anybody. You don't have a cap on how many eyes can see it. Um, Some of the other avenues I've used to stay afloat is there are times that I wasn't making enough. I accepted food stamps and I did not sell my food stamps because you have to look at the overhead of or you have to look at the general picture of how many resources do you have coming in so if you're getting food stamps for you and your kids and you sell them for half of what they're worth yes you have cash but you have now cut your resources that you had coming in your house in half i'm not saying commit fraud however if you have additional food in your house and you are able to cook it and sell a couple of plates to your other stylist or the barber shop next door By all means, do so, because now you have the cash that you were looking for. You also have the food that you needed to feed your family and you did not cut your resources. Um, Some of the other ways that I have stayed afloat is I offer classes. You know, I kept seeing other Internet uh, moguls or whatever you want to call them early in the early stages of the Internet. And they would talk about you're an ex, be an expert in what you're an expert at. Tell people you're an expert. And I always, always be like, oh my God, I'm not an expert. Like, I've only been out of school this long. You know, I haven't been a stylist that long. I only know how to do this and I only know how to do that. And then one day I just said, forget it. I'm an expert at this and I'm going to talk about this one area until I'm blue in the face. Well, y'all, I'm not blue in the face yet. I'm still talking about it. And many people, have agreed that I'm an expert in my lane. I'm not great at everything in the cosmetology world. I can do weaves. I'm not great at it. I'm not going to be the fastest at it. Your haircut might not be perfect, but that's why I don't talk about those things. I don't sell myself as being an expert in that. I sell myself as being an expert in natural hair care, especially for kids, and I teach white parents how to take care of the black kids' hair. Um so find your lane that you know, you know, you know, you know, you know it like the back of your hand. You know it, and sell the hell out of it, and always do it in a very professional or as professional as you can be. Because now I'm a slight hypocrite because my videos are quite janky. But anyway, always package it as best as you can. And as you increase your income, or maybe you get a little extra money, um, and increase you know your quality of your tools. So I had an Android before, and now I have the iPhone. It's not the newest iPhone. By far, it's not the newest iPhone. But it is a step up from my Android that I did have, and I have a few more capabilities on it, and it's able to handle more at the same time than my Android was. So these are little steps that I took along the way to keep myself afloat and to increase my productivity. There's plenty more of them. But this podcast is almost at a full 30 minutes and I know we all have things to do and ain't nobody trying to listen to me for the next three hours. So I'll come back and we can talk about this subject a little more in depth. If you guys want to, please leave comments um, or send me emails at to at tutustennisshoes.com um, on Instagram is tutus underscore tennis underscore shoes. And I hope to hear from you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I will be back.